Okay, Jess, so this is really exciting because this is like a bonus episode because we recorded last week sort of on time. I mean, it was later in the day than we normally would because I was out of the country, and so what is even time? But because of the travel, I didn't get it published until, I'm pretty sure it was Monday is the day that it went live. So this week, people get two episodes, and I didn't want to push it back any farther because we didn't, I wasn't able to publish it last week. So it published on Monday. So go listen to that. We talked about our iPhone home screens, which honestly, as I listened back to it was kind of cool because we talked not only about the apps that we use, but like kind of why we do things the way we do. And sometimes realizing that actually there isn't a reason. It's just like, I have the music app on my phone still today, even after talking about it. And I never use the Apple music app, but it's still sitting there. So I don't know. So, so that was kind of cool. So this is like a bonus episode. And we do have a lot of things to talk about, but you also had a piece of follow-up that you wanted to share. So tell me about well, yeah. focus modes. Yeah, just um, doing a little bit of analyzing about the ways I use my phone after the whole home screen and widget conversation. I'm like, I get really frustrated like because I work with in time zones people all over the world. You know this. You used to work where I work, and it can be frustrating when you're trying to go to sleep or you're trying to do a certain thing to... Um, like you keep getting notifications, especially if you're someone like me who wears their watch to sleep. And so I was like, if I don't want to get up till seven or sometimes I don't want to get up till eight, I'm just like constantly inundated with messages nonstop. And it just, it removes the whole purpose of me trying to sleep in even a little bit. So I created a focus mode for sleep that only allows my family members to contact me. And it turns off, get this, all app notifications. Like I went bold, like and I kept thinking about, is there anything I'm really going to see, need to see, if it's not a phone call or a message from someone who could alert me of an emergency? And I decided no. So I'd, I'm excited to try that out and see if it helps improve my sleep life. And I also like that all came after also having like a problem with my Apple Watch. And apparently third-party sleep apps can mess up your Apple Watch and the functionality of the activity and tracking your heart rate. So... I did a lot of um, a lot of research, and that was actually kind of fun for people like us. It's fun to go in and like dig into a problem of why something's wrong. But um, so now I'm also using the the native sleep function of the health app instead of a third party sleep. App. Nice. So now, do you have on? Are you using the whole? Okay. So sorry. The focus modes we talked about last week, where you can set them up, and you can have them for like really, you could create as many of them as you could possibly want. And I mean, you could be like meetings, you know, it used to be, you just had do not disturb and then not like, it's like disturb or don't disturb. Now you can choose what kind of a do not disturb do you want? And you can let certain people disturb you if you want them to. And that's great. But there's also the separate like wind down sleep thing that the iPhone does where you tell it, I want to go to bed by this time. I want to get up by this time and it'll set your alarm for that time in the morning. And it'll also put your phone into like a wind down mode. I think it's 45 minutes beforehand where essentially the screen kind of goes dark. Notifications don't pop up, but it's pretty quick to get past that screen. But the point is it's, it's trying to condition you to stop staring at your screen. Right. Do you are you using that or did you just set up a focus mode, call it sleep and turn off all the notifications? Right. So I haven't tried wind down yet. I have mine set from like 12 p.m. 12 a.m. to 7 a.m. And I might tinker with that a little bit. But like, I feel like I'm giving away control with the whole wind down. Like I want it to be this time. And I actually don't normally set an alarm, which, you know, I think people are all over the place on this. I set one on Tuesdays 
Because my I have meetings that start at 8 a.m., so I want to make sure like I'm fully caffeinated by then because that's not fair to the people I have to meet with if I'm not. Um, but every other day, I mean, I know I'm going to be up by 8, and I usually don't have meetings start till, you know, 10, maybe 9. So I, I prefer to wake up naturally. Okay. So I, and I'm, I'm different in that I do pretty much wake up. I have to make myself stay in bed past, let's call it six o'clock in the morning. If you know, there are days when I will sleep past six, especially like last week when I came back from overseas on Saturday, I think I got up at like nine. It was pretty delightful, (laughs) pretty wonderful. Um, but I still set an alarm every morning and I actually do use the um, wind down sleep, whatever. I'm actually trying to remember exactly what it's called because wind down. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And so I find out I find that to be really kind of nice. And some people don't like it because they don't want their phone to tell them when to go to bed or what to do in general or make suggestions or like tell you news you want. I get all that, but I will just say that it is a pretty useful, um, it's, it's a pretty useful tool because it's kind of like a signal that says, I mean, cause you decide like your phone doesn't tell you when to go to bed. You tell your phone when you want to go to bed. Like you get to be the decider. I put my phone away when I'm ready to go to bed, you know, like, but you get to be the decider that says the time I should go to bed so that I can get up and be productive in the morning right. is 930. So then your phone is basically just reminding you, hey, buddy, you said you wanted to go to bed at 930. So why are you doom scrolling through Instagram or whatever? It's like, why are you still playing Clash Royale? I'm like, this is part of my wind down process <laughs> like, right. to do some mindless activity on my phone. I know it's, you know, we should get away from our screens. Right. Especially the ones right up next to our faces. But um so the my reality so if you wanted to set this up and i know this is this for some i may actually write about this i don't know why this is such a controversial thing it is so controversial because there are so many people that are like i do not want my phone to be a nanny and tell me when to go to bed and i'm a grown and don't up. use it like why should people be so upset about it but at the same time like if it's important to you to to get to sleep at a certain time like this is just a feature that's designed to help you you're again you tell your phone, your phone is not going to suggest a bedtime for you. It's just going to tell you, hey, you said you wanted to go to bed. And so it is in the, in the health app in sleep. You can set a schedule for sleep and you tell it what time do you want to go to sleep, right? What time do you want to go to bed and what time do you want to wake up? And it'll be like, this is seven and a half hours of sleep or whatever you decide your goal is. And then you can tell it, do I want to have an alarm for that time, which like in your case, you don't necessarily have to use an alarm. You can just be like, I want to go to bed at this time and get up. And it will just tell you, did you meet that goal? And so for people who want to have more sleep or want to improve their sleep, it's just another way of tracking that and measuring a goal. So I find it really helpful. And one thing that I like the best is you can actually decide, you know, on Friday nights, I don't care. Don't wake me up on Saturday. I'm, who knows when I'll go to bed on a Friday? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna wing it. There's I'm a just, weekday option, yeah. Yes, and so, uh, or you can just say, you know what, tomorrow morning I'm not getting up, and you can just say skip that alarm, and it'll just, mm-hmm. it's just super easy. You don't have to like change that schedule. You can just let, literally tap skip, and it'll skip it for you for the next day. So I, I like it, and and the sleep mode thing, whatever, wake up, is tied to a focus mode which basically shuts off everything on your phone so that in fact it also makes your phone go so if you have an one of the iphone 14 pros with the always on display this will override that and it'll actually turn your display off at night which is kind of nice 
So nice. So I'm, I'm messing with this one to see how I like it. And then I'd consider adding some others. Um, I would really like be cool if it could tell what I'm doing, like it can tell I'm exercising and then it will um, automatically trigger a focus mode because I swear there is some kind of phenomenon where like I'll work out at lunch a lot and it's like immediately start getting tons of Slack messages. It's like it never fails. So I would love to pause those if it could just tell. I don't want to have to turn it on, but that should be a pretty easy thing to configure because it can tell when your heart rate goes up. So your watch can, right? So right. you could yeah. tell, you could create a shortcut using the shortcuts feature that says, when I start a workout, go to this focus. Like you can trigger a focus mode by something like that. If I start okay. a, if I, if I start a workout, turn on my workout focus and you know, turn off. So I don't want Slack notifications while I'm on the Peloton or whatever it is. So that you should be able to do relatively easy. You might not even actually have to use shortcuts. You might be able to just tell the focus to turn on when you are running a workout. So that would be a convenient way to do that for, for you. Um, so yeah, I, I, agree. I agree. I was going to also just throw out, sometimes I think people get nervous about having a do not disturb or a sleep mode at night because if you have kids who might, well, our kids are young enough that I don't generally go to sleep before they're all home. But if you have older kids who might be out, or if you have, let's say you have older parents who you want to make mm -hmm. sure that they can get a hold of you, the, the, I will tell you a secret. It's not a secret, but the trick here is if someone calls you twice in a row, it will automatically break through the do not disturb. Even if you have, even if you don't have them in like the include list. Really? So anyone who you're worried about making sure in an emergency, they can get hold of me. Just say, if you call me and I don't answer, call me again. Right? Like that's oh, the okay. I didn't know. So someone who's just bugging you could call you twice and not and get through. Well, okay. First of all, it would depend if they're not in, like there's another feature in your iPhone. This is fun. We're just going to go through settings on the iPhone for a little bit. This is good though. <laughs> this is super helpful. There's another setting in your iPhone where you can have it. I'm looking to make sure that I call it the right thing so people can find it. But you your can, favorites or well, you can tell it in the phone app in the phone. Okay, go to settings and then phone, and you can tell it to silence unknown callers. So if it's someone who's okay. not in your contacts, then it will not ring. Okay, it won't bother you. You can also go to call blocking, and it will. There's a setting called silence junk callers, and so your carrier decides are these carriers likely are these phone numbers likely junk. So like spam telemarketers whatever you can silence those as well and then you can also opt in get this is actually kind of a cool feature under call blocking and identification let's say you have a contacts app on your phone even obviously there is a contacts app but you're using another one you can tell it don't block any of the numbers that I have in my contacts app. So like in mine for example because I have HubSpot installed I don't actually use it for anything if I had a con like a if I was a salesperson, right? Somebody might call me from random company mm -hmm. and I don't have that number stored in my contacts, but it might be in HubSpot and it will not block that number because it's like, oh yeah, this is this okay. is a contact. So there are actually some pretty good settings there. But if just if somebody who's in your contacts list is just calling to you to bug you, you might just want to reconsider whether you want them in your contacts <laughs> list. So just throwing that out there. So Good point. Yeah. Duly noted. Very yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to kind of mess with and play with that a little bit more and, you know, see how I can get more functionality out of my phone as far as like managing my lifestyle, which is something I've been really hesitant to in the past. And I think part of it is just I feel like I'm going to miss something that's important or that I need to know. 
Um, when in reality, the older I get, they're really not, I'm not that important. So. <laughs> well, I mean, you're important to some people. And sure, you know. but I'm not, I'm the chances of me missing something that's crucial is it's low. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the way I look at it, the only things that are in my life urgent are, I want to know if one of my kids sends me a message and I want to know if my mm -hmm. wife sends me a message and on a slightly lower scale, sorry, mom, cause I think she sometimes listens to this. I kind of want to know if my parents were to send me a message because like, just in case there was something that went, like if something oh, were yeah, to happen to an extended family member, it would be them that would be contacting me. But ultimately it's like kids, then wife, which doesn't seem like it should be the right way, but usually like she's here with me most of the day, right? Like I'm not right, that right. worried, but I just want, those are the ones that I'm really are like the only things that someone's going to send me a message that could be a bona fide emergency. There's, there are no emergencies in my job, right? Like I right. don't, I don't have to put out fires literally or metaphorically. So yeah. So fair enough. Anyway, so we'll see how I'm, I'm interested to hear how you feel like that works for you and, and try the workout, like triggering a, work, a focus from a workout. Yeah, I think I'm going to. Um, I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I don't want to go too much farther in this, but I'm wondering if it has to be like the native workout app or I can use a third party app like Peloton to trigger it. But I'll have to play with that. The answer to your question is that you, it doesn't have to just be a like a fitness plus workout or something because when you go to create a custom workout, call it whatever you want, go down and it says set a schedule, choose the turn on smart activation and then add, then tap add schedule. And one of the options you can tell it, turn it on from noon to one because like I'm at lunch and I'm gonna whatever, or when I arrive at the gym, like turn it on, which that's kind of nice that it does it. But then the third one is when you open an app. So, you know, you could choose the Peloton app and if you choose an app, like I don't have Peloton on here. I just have like DoorDash and Domino's, but let's not, let's not start a workout app when we do those. Um, but when you open one of those apps, it'll then let you activate that focus when you are doing something in that app. So that's, that's kind of cool. You can do that. So it doesn't have to only be, there is a, there is an automatic create a fitness focus so that it's basically doing the same thing, but it's just already set up if you're using Apple's fitness you know, app. So, right. Yeah. And I, I technically am, I think I'm really using both of them at the same time. Well, there you go. So, okay. So that was a lot of follow up, but Jess, I know that you are super excited about this topic, but I really want to talk about the Twitter mess for a minute. Because... Well, I have been keeping up. I'm reading about it and I actually got on Twitter to see like what kind of hilarity or disasterness I could find. <laughs> and uh, I quickly left. <laughs> well, so... it, here's the difficult thing because even on a good day, Twitter is mostly a mess, right? There are definitely some benefits. I want to talk about those in a second. But but it's known as like the dumpster fire of social media for a reason because it it is unique in a lot of ways. And one of those ways is that there's this sort of death spiral that happens basically every day on a whatever the given topic is. And people just they there's no friction in those interactions and so people do a lot of things on twitter that they just wouldn't do in real life but before we whoops, before we go too far down that rabbit hole you you used to use twitter somewhat but now you use it almost not at all and i'm just wondering for you like what was that decision right 
Um, well, first of all, I've never just enjoyed the user experience as much as I do other platforms. And so I kind of neglected it. Now, like, I feel like Twitter, people feel the same way about Twitter as they do about coconut. You either really like it or you do not like it and you just stay away from it. You don't want it in your smoothie. You don't want it in your life. You don't want it as like an app that's going to pop up. So, but that being said, uh, my husband uses Twitter a lot. He's always on Twitter and he's always retweeting, retweeting stuff. And so I do like see things that he'll show me or whatever. Um, and sometimes I'll, I'll get notifications. Like whenever you post something on Twitter, I still get a notification because I'm following you. But it's like in order for me to like keep up to date on what you're writing and what you're talking about, which is something I like. But as far as like, it's just people voicing their opinions or bragging about themselves or complaining about things. And so I feel the same way about Twitter as I do Facebook. I kind of took myself out of the situation because especially... Um, you know, during the last election and everything, I just would go down these rabbit holes. And then the joke was really on me because I had to get upset about things I really had no control over. And it's completely pointless to start arguing with people you don't even really know that well, or in some cases, not at all. So that's a, that's my stance on social media. I'm like, I'm going to pick one platform that I like, and that's Instagram. And I kind of try to stay away from the rest. It's more of a, um, a mental health um, exercise than it is a platform. Um <laughs> that makes sense yeah no and that's a good i mean first of all kudos to you for making that well for having the self-awareness to see that and then for making that decision for yourself like that's that's what we should all be doing i think it's interesting because um i guess i have no idea who the people who listen to this are but my guess is that they probably lean closer to what you just described in terms of twitter is a thing they might be aware of but like relative to the size of Instagram or Facebook, which both have more than a billion or 2 billion users, uh, Twitter has roughly 250 million users. So Facebook is a scale of 10 times larger than, than Twitter. And actually Facebook or Meta, the company that owns Facebook has three apps that are all, you know, five to mm -hmm. 10 times larger for Instagram, WhatsApp, and Facebook. So Twitter is a very small thing i mean it makes like four billion dollars a year which is not nothing but it's also like compared to the hundred billion dollars or whatever a company like facebook br brings in it's 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 a we're talking about something completely different but twitter does sort of occupy this outsized role in the public conversation and the reason is and this is where i think it's interesting is every single major political figure in the world is on twitter right yes. a lot of celebrities most of them are on twitter every like journalist is on twitter and every news publication is on twitter and every government agency is all on twitter and guess what you can get on twitter and you can at mention any of them right right there, now there yeah there are no controls even less so now like you can do whatever you want on twitter <laughs> but i mean you can go on to twitter right now and just start talking to the 10 richest people in the world. I'm pretty sure that they're all on Twitter. Um, and now that doesn't mean that they'll necessarily respond to you, but sometimes they might, right? You mm -hmm. sometimes they may actually. And so there's this ability to make connections that is so much easier than in the physical world where like uh, you, where would you go to have a conversation with some of those people? Like you just can't do that in the, in the real world. You'd probably get arrested. And you can't even do it on Facebook. Like, it's just not set up that way. Same thing with Instagram. I mean, you can post something and tag somebody on Instagram, but right. there's no way for someone to follow like a conversation 
So I think that that's why Twitter occupies this really interesting space because you can find out what everyone from the, well, you can't anymore, but at the time you could find out what the former president of the United States was thinking, no matter how ridiculous it was. Now you can see like in real time what's happening in a, in a, in a lot of different spaces. And because of its sort of real time nature, it's also like really cool for things like you're watching the Super Bowl and you can find out reaction immediately from all these places. I remember the, I still remember one of the coolest things was when a couple of years ago when the power went out during the Super Bowl at the Super Bowl and Oreo posted a, at the time, looking back, it actually seems not that interesting, but they posted a tweet that said something like, you can still dunk in the dark. And the point <laughs> was, somebody who was monitoring the Super Bowl from their brand team was quick enough to be like, we should just tweet something right now. And millions and millions and millions of people are going to see it and respond to it. And it's like, you, it captures the public's imagination. So I agree that it's sort of a mess most of the time, but it does actually serve some utility, which is, I think, why people are so frustrated right now, right? Because if you haven't been paying attention, the richest person on the planet bought it and is kind of making a mess of things. Yeah, just because you, and it wouldn't, the whole story of the, the lesson of the story is here, don't buy things just because you can afford them. <laughs> it doesn't mean you'll be good at using it. Like if you don't know how to ride a bike, maybe learn one before you buy the most expensive one out there. Um, but okay, this like raises some a uh, couple of things for me. One is the way that I choose to get information. And this is the way um, I've been thinking about this a lot because it's becoming increasingly hard to find reputable, valid information that you know is true online or even on the news. And it drives me crazy because then I go down this hole of like, I have to fact check this and fact check and then really figure out if something is true. And I really want to make my decisions about how I believe about certain things independently without being influenced by, you know, whatever kind of money is behind it or whoever, whatever that person has to say. So that's one reason why I try to stay away from it. But a thing that I will use it for and have used it before is as a customer service platform. So you can reach anyone anytime. So, you know, for say Delta, American Airlines, um, I've used it for like um, a food delivery service company like HelloFresh. You, if you have a problem, it's actually a lot easier for you to go tweet at them rather than sit in their live chat queue or try to, to call someone. And so companies have actually noticed that and so they actually turn them in to customer service platforms. So one, that's just a one way I try to stay away from it and one way I can actually find the platform to have usefulness. Yeah, and actually that's a good point. Um, it's it, It's kind of interesting because what you just described used to be one of the best kept secrets of Twitter customer service. Uh, and I, it's like back in 2019, 2019, I even wrote a piece about how Delta does something super like, cause I fly Delta a lot and it used to be that their social media team that managed their social media account were by far the most reliable and the best way to have, like, especially if you were traveling, like this happened one time where I was on a plane and the flight was going to be delayed to the point where we hadn't, we hadn't even left the gate people were going to miss their connection. And I was sitting next to a guy who I don't know who he was, but he had some magic number. He was a Delta 360, which is like their unpublished top tier of like elite travelers. And he's on this phone with presumably somebody who is paid a lot, you know, a good amount of money to solve problems for their very best customers. Right? So he's on the phone with them and I sent a tweet and I got my flight rebooked faster than him. 
on the phone. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was so good. And I've actually talked to Delta about this because their social media team now doesn't do anything. This They don't use that in that way anymore. They do have where you can like message them with iMessage, but sometimes you'll mm-hmm. wait. Like one time I sent a message, especially as people started traveling again, coming out of the pandemic. And they're like, yes, the wait time is 11 to 17 hours. I'm like, oh, wow. What am I going to do with that? Right. <laughs> it's not super helpful. And so I think some companies are it, Comcast, which no one likes to talk to Comcast. I don't, do you guys have Comcast where you guys are? Is it yeah. a cable? Okay. Everyone hates Comcast, but you know, you know, the best place to get service from Comcast was for a long time was just their, so yeah, their Twitter accounts. And so I think that in that way, you're right. There are, there are really good uses for it. Um, but the, but the interesting thing is that you mentioned uh, reliable sources of information, which is kind of an interesting thing that's happening right now because for a long time, that's why Twitter had what they called verified accounts, right? They would verify that certain accounts were who they said that they were. Now, that's a hard thing to do at scale because literally you have to submit a, a, a government ID. You're verified, aren't you? I am. Yeah. But it's not something they could that they can easily do for 250 million people because you actually had to like, well, there was two things. One, they actually just started verifying people. Like there were some accounts that they just, the White House, they just verified. I don't think the White House ever had to ask. And there are a lot of people who never had to ask to be verified. LeBron James, I don't think he mm-hmm. had like submit a request. But then they opened up verification to anyone could ask to be verified, but you had to be who you said you were. And then they also decided you had to be what they considered like notable, which is really a funny term because An influencer. It's not <laughs> just that. It's just that do, doesn't matter if the, if the information coming from your account is actually coming from the person that you say that you are right. And if it's just random Fred who wants to comment about the election, it doesn't necessarily matter because he, it's not an official source. It's not representing any kind anyway. But you, it's hard for them to do that at scale because someone has to literally look at IDs and, you know, do all right. those types That's of things. That's why they want to, you know, they're considering making you just pay for it now, which is ridiculous. Well, they are. You can now actually get a, you can actually just get the blue check mark if you pay $8 a month for Twitter blue, which oh defeats God. the entire purpose. But here's what's <laughs> interesting to me about that. Clearly, what Elon Musk, who now owns uh, Twitter, is recognized is that it's a desirable thing to have that blue check mark on your account, but there's no verification to it anymore, but people can pay, they get a blue check mark and then they can basically just pretend like they are anything, right? Like I think those, I think those people need therapy to help them with their self-esteem and like meaningfulness, motivation. It's just like ridiculous to spend money to have a blue check mark by your name. Like people would buy anything. Well, and and the original blue check mark was useful because it was it was a Twitter considered it a quality signal in its algorithm. So what that meant was if you were verified, your tweets and replies were not necessarily boosted, but they were given more consideration in people's feeds and they showed up higher in replies. Right. So there was a benefit to being verified, but now anybody can be verified. And Elon Musk has said that he's going to give you preferential treatment. And if you don't pay the $8, you're just, you're going to like go into the spam folder or something. However, here's the funny thing that's happened. One, now if you click on someone's blue check on their account, it will tell you whether the person has a blue check because they paid for Twitter blue 
or if they have a blue check because they're actually verified. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of dilutes the whole purpose of having it. And oddly enough, and even kind of creepy, I just saw my husband just retweeted something about the blue check marks <laughs> about um, strange men on the internet distributing blue check marks for $8 a month is no basis for a system of verification. And I actually you know, highly agree with that. Right. And it's just but everyone's it's a- making it a joke now. Yeah, and there is no verification. Like that's the important piece here is anybody can just have one and you can if you want to set up a fake account and pretend to be a person, they'll give you a blue check if you pay $8, right? So, how is that helping the platform? I don't I don't know. I think it's, it's not. It's a, it's a capitalism method. Yeah, it's just a mess. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, if you aren't using Twitter at this point, listener, Maybe it's not the time to jump in. <laughs> there are just certain- like sit this one out. Like just like wait. It's like a, a good time to wait and see if you're not already on this platform and it's something that you desire in your life and you use daily. You know, just sit back and watch. And it's like going to a comedy show. You don't have to go up on stage. Just watch what happens. Let it play out. Right. And I mean, I do use it for two things. One, I use it because it's I get information from it. Right. It's a good way for me to find out like what are the things that are happening that people care about right now, because that's an important thing for someone who writes about presumably things that people care about that are happening right now. But then it's also use. It is a useful tool for like sharing. Like if I write something that I think is really valuable, I can share it on Twitter and maybe it'll get reshared or it'll get like promoted. You know, people will read it that way. I will say that in the grand scheme of things, Twitter drives very little traffic, very like in terms of the, and I pay very close attention to where, my traffic comes from probably more than a person should. And I can tell you right now that it's compared to Google, Facebook, even LinkedIn or other aggregators like Flipboard or Google News or whatever. Twitter is very, very small. <laughs> like, that very says something small. about it too, especially if it's less, if it, you get less traffic from, from, from it from LinkedIn than LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. Sorry, because LinkedIn is really gone into the gutter, in my opinion, anyway. Well, I mean, in some of it could be, Obviously, you know, the publication that I write for LinkedIn is probably a more, it's a more professional audience. And so it doesn't totally surprise me, but like, I just looked and it's like less, it's about a half of a percent of my traffic is from Twitter, a half of a percent. I mean, that's not very much. (laughs) And, and what's crazy is you can have a, you can have a post, you can post something on, on Twitter a good example of this was when uh, DuckDuckGo shared one of my articles and that article or that their their tweet about it had like, I don't know, 20,000 likes and 10,000 retweets. Those numbers are not exact. I'm kind of making it up, but it only drove something like 2,800 page views. That That means a lot of people were liking and sharing the article, but none of them were actually clicking through to read it. Right, right. right. So... I think what it sounds like what we're saying about Twitter is what we can learn from usage of all social media platforms is be aware of the limitations, find the things that you like about it and use it just for that. It doesn't have to be your um, nothing online, even nothing on the news is like an ultimate source of truth anymore. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But for example, if you really need, um, if you're struggling to find customer service, for a product or service that you've purchased, then maybe try Twitter as one of your strategies for getting help. Also, it can be used as an entertainment app, which is probably what much most social media platforms should come down to. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I don't 
it's always been interesting to me that it's so concentrated with people who spend most of their time online, which is just not most people, right? I spend a lot of time online because it's like my actual job, but most of the people I know, they do not spend that amount of time online, right? That's just not, not... everybody spends all their time online. That's right. news to me <laughs> because I spend true. my time online. So. Right. But you and I have a very different kind of a job than most people in your job, even though literally you have to be connected to the internet. That's so you're, you're online in the sense that, you know, you're using a web browser and whatever. You're not necessarily online in the sense that you're just go your job anyway isn't isn't online and that it you're going around to you know 20 sites reading news all day i don't have to you know i don't have to be in the news nearly as much as you i still have to be but not i'm not you know a real-time journalist (laughs) that is not my job i'm more of a you know an evergreen editor (laughs) so uh, so okay so i just i wanted to just I wanted to cover the mess. It's completely a mess. I have no idea what's going to happen. I did see that um, just today, apparently, uh, Elon sent an email, his very first email to the entire company that he actually signed his name to. Now, he did send an email that he didn't sign his name to that he was going to fire half the staff. But the one that he sent is basically saying you can't work remotely anymore, which... Oh, I didn't know that. He is not a fan of remote work. And I think it's kind of... he's. I think it's kind of ridiculous because if you're programming or you're in marketing or you're in sales, like you can do all of those things from anywhere. There's no reason to be in an office in San Francisco or wherever. Just Sounds like a control thing. It's a hundred percent that and he, <laughs> he has said he did the same thing at Tesla. He was like, you know, I want, I want, I want us to be able to see you like, I want to, and I, in his, he believes, so, you know, there's an anecdote about Elon Musk that he likes to tell about how, when the company was trying to launch the model three, which was supposed to be the first affordable electric vehicle. And it is like the most popular car sold in America. Like it's, it's by far the most popular electric vehicle along with the model Y, but it's also just generally speaking, one of the most popular cars sold in America. But the company almost went bankrupt and he would literally sleep on the floor in the factory. And, but that's and you now see pictures of people from Twitter who are sleeping in the office to try to like get things. And he expects everyone to do that. And I'm, it's just not, there's just no reason for it. Like, I completely reject that culture. Like yeah. I used to live in a, in a culture like that when I was, when I did like the, the hardcore startup world, I'm just like, it's not cool anymore. No one cares. No one cares that you slept yeah. on your office floor. No one cares that you work 12 hours a day. All that says is your life has no meaning outside of your work. Right. End of story. <laughs> and you know what, if you choose that for yourself, like, I mean, we should have some conversations about whether it's really healthy, but that's, that's on you. Like that's right. No, yeah. That's that's no, that is someone's choice. Yeah. That's no different than choosing, you know, Shake Shack over right. Sweet green for lunch, I guess you make the choice, whatever the consequences, but, but it's completely different when you decide that for the people who work for you, that's not okay. Right. That's a completely different thing. So yeah, there's kind of, there's like a two layered approach. I take to decisions like that. It's like, okay, you can do what you want as long as you're not forcing on other people and to, you're not harming yourself or others. And those are like, right. the, like the kind of basic tenets of how to, you know, conduct yourself in a, in a decent manner. Um, right. My right. two cents. Okay. So we want to switch gears a little bit because we actually had another topic that we were going to cover and I think we still can, we have some time. So sure, we're going to, yeah, I don't think it'll be super lengthy. Yeah. We're going to go through this and 
part of what this will be sort of like the utility section of this particular <laughs> episode because we want to talk about internet browsers which sounds super exciting except for specifically we're talking about safari versus chrome and i think you could also put in parentheses or anything else like there are other options to safari and chrome there's brave there's edge there's firefox um brave and edge are both essentially chrome browsers but they're just they use the chromium engine but they're sort of their you know microsoft makes edge so it makes it Microsofty and Brave <laughs> is its own thing. And so really we're talking about Safari versus Chromium type browsers or Google Chrome itself. Now, what browser do you use most of the time? So on my personal computer, which I'm on right now, I use Brave. And the reason I use Brave is because you introduced me to it way back and I liked it. Um, on my work computer, I use Chrome um, and that's just I like, okay, one of the reasons I do that is because I like to look at like subtle nuances and differences of like what I like more, one more than the other. And they're almost exactly the same to me. Um, and I only use Safari if I, if Chrome isn't working, <laughs> which happens, which literally does happen. Also. Yes, it does sometimes happen. That's true. Okay. So I use Brave and Safari both all the time, completely intermixed for different things and i wish i could tell you why i use one or the other <laughs> um i think i prefer safari but there are some advantages to using so i you know brave is a chrome type browser but it there are some because chrome is the by far largest browser or most widely used browser websites are far more optimized for chrome right because that's what most like if you're developing a website or an, an online service and you're just like, huh, we got to make this optimized for something. You're going to pick Chrome because it's used by the most people. And so if you're using Brave or Edge, you're getting to take advantage of that because they are based on the same underlying technology as Chrome. But I re I don't even have Chrome on my computer. I refuse. Really? I will not let that thing touch my computer for one, two reasons. One it is the most resource intensive memory greedy thing you can possibly run on your computer. Like most people who talk about their computer being slow, the problem is Chrome. Really? <laughs> their computer's fine. It's just that if you were to look and see how much memory Chrome is using, it's amazing. So just for context, when Apple introduced the previous version of the Mac Pro, which was in 2018, I think, I, I could be wrong on the date. The test that they, so this thing was like, you could buy it with like a 28 or I don't even know, a ridiculous number of cores and like a terabyte of memory. And the test people ran was how many Chrome tabs can it handle? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that was the, that was the most taxing thing they could think of. Like not let's launch a rocket ship with this thing. Like let's just open Chrome tabs until the thing craters, right? Because it was so intensive. So that's the one reason I don't like to use Chrome, the actual Chrome made by Google app. The second reason is that Google's incentives for things like cookie tracking and all of that are just, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I'm not a that right. Google doesn't block third party cookies, even though it could, it doesn't block some of the fingerprinting, even though it could in both brave and Safari. And I believe Firefox does this as well by default block all of that. You're going to make me want to switch back to brave for my work computer. Yeah. Here's my but question though. So. Go ahead. I have a 
Why, if they're all Chromium um, browsers, why is Google Chrome so much more resource, resource intensive and worse at privacy than the other Chromium browsers? Okay, so Chromium is, okay, the super quick version of this is Chromium is essentially a rendering engine for the web, right? So it's basically the thing that takes the HTML and makes it look like a thing on your screen that you can interact okay. with, okay? So Safari uses something called WebKit. Now, WebKit is the most widely used engine on mobile by far, because think about it, like it's what runs the iPhone is WebKit. Right. And mm -hmm. any other browser you might download, this is what's funny. If you download Brave or Edge or even Chrome on your iPhone, it's actually using the WebKit engine just with all of the Didn't know that. extra interface stuff from those those companies. Um so the reason that the other ones are not nearly as resource intensive is because of all the rest of the browser itself. Right. So Chrome, it's just the way that it's architected, it's it's done so in a way that it just consumes memory and consumes resources on your computer whereas safari and brave are much lighter as a result like i feel like they're much faster like brave is i feel like a lot faster than chrome now i should be clear there are some things about brave that i don't love for example brave has some features that are very easy to turn off but like there's a lot of integration crypto with like stuff, crypto yeah. wallets and stuff yeah, i just turn all of that off i, want I remember no i was like what is this and you're like just ignore it <laughs> i want nothing to do with any of that so i just turn all of that stuff off so just to be clear if you download it all of a sudden you're gonna be like what is all of this stuff like, i don't want to i don't i don't use any of that but it does have a great feature where you can literally just it has, they call them shields. Like you can turn on, well, by default, the shields are on. And what that does is it blocks all tracking and all ads. If you turn on this, if you, if you, if you have the shield. Yes, on. I do remember that. Yeah, I did yeah. like that. Now for some websites, you can just, it, and it'll tell you what it's actually blocking for some websites. Like when I publish things, I actually have to turn that off because the CMS doesn't work. <laughs> if I have that enabled but if it's the website i'm publishing to then i'm fine with that right but you so you can choose safari does something similar only safari doesn't give you quite as much control well it doesn't give you the same amount of control as easily but it does tell you like here's who's tracking you all that kind of stuff so i do like that about brave you can just one click on the little lion icon and it'll tell you who's trying to track you it'll let you turn it on or off and, and do all that. So it's it's pretty simple, whereas Chrome does not give you that. And then the other advantage of, you mentioned this, or you, you kind of alluded to this, but one of the downsides for Safari is that Chrome is more customizable. And really what most people mean is like you can add extensions, right? Extensions or like a, the new tab backgrounds, you know, cool like stuff like that that makes you feel a little more warm, warm and cozy. Like they're not like incredibly functional. Like right. Safari has plenty... So I would guess that Safari has the extensions I need to do my job. Yeah. So here's the <laughs> thing that's interesting. Okay. Yes. And I'll get to that in one second. What has the nice thing about because Brave and this is also true of Edge, but let me just be clear. I don't recommend Edge to anyone, Microsoft Edge, because there is so much extra stuff built on top of it. It has like one or two cool features. Um, you can create like shopping group. Like there's some cool features there. I'll be honest. But there's so much extra crap involved in it. And it's like, it, it just, I don't recommend Edge. But I don't like to use Microsoft anything. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, there's that. 
Um, but what the reason is because they're both Chrome, you know, Chromium browsers, all extensions written for Chrome will work in Brave, right? And they'll right. work in Microsoft Edge. Mm -hmm. So that's what's wonderful. In fact, you can just go to the Chrome web store and install extensions directly into Brave. You don't have to go to a separate extension store. You can just like go straight to that, um, that site and you can just download whatever it is you want. Now, in the past, the and that's just chrome.google.com if, if if you're wondering what I'm talking about. There's like extensions for everything, right? Every app you use probably has an extension for Chrome. Now, be careful because the other part problem is that a lot of them, especially by the way, if you're like downloading the ones that are like, if you're going shopping, let us tell you if there's a coupon code available. Don't don't use those. Don't don't I do, do like, it. I like nope. honey. Honey nope. like I have saved money with that. No, nope. so. but you know what honey is doing in the background? It's just collecting information and selling it to ad brokers. So anyway, that's Whatever. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever like, them do they want. It's like they're not bugging me about it. <laughs> but um so the the problem in the past was that you couldn't use all those extensions in Safari because Safari had its own kind of proprietary thing. But in in recent years, Safari has made it so that if a developer has a Chrome extension, it's very, very easy for them to make that available to Safari. And now adding Safari extensions. So right now I have in my Brave browser, I have one password as an extension, CrowdTangle, uh, Instapaper, Notion, OneTab, Evernote, those are the ones I use like most of the time. Are there in a save to Dropbox one, which is, I guess, I use occasionally. All of those except for one, I can use exactly as they are and they behave exactly the same way in Safari. So I have the same ones. The only one that doesn't work is CrowdTangle. I don't know why. I think Facebook doesn't really support it. It's a Facebook thing and they don't really support it anymore. It's really useful. But anyway, um, like the Grammarly, you can have a Grammarly extension the same. Like all the pretty much they're on par now. So that's a good thing. It's, you can do most of the same things that you could do in Chrome now in Safari. Okay. Well, so what are advantages of using Safari over Chrome if all the extensions you want are available and just as easy to use? Yeah, so the biggest, for me, reason for Safari, um, I th a couple of things. One, it is a lot more privacy minded, right? It by default blocks a lot of the things that Chrome doesn't. And the big one is not just the cookie thing. And just so people know, like cookies is the name for these little pieces of software that just keep track of, like if you log into your bank and there's a button that says, remember me, what it does is it sets a cookie in the browser so that when you come back, you don't have to log in again. That's called a first party cookie. A third party cookie though would be if you're on shoes.com, or excuse me, if you're on Facebook and you click on an ad for shoes.com, I don't know if that's a website, but whatever it probably is. And and then you and then you buy something, the cookie is the piece of software that goes back and forth that identifies you between those websites. That's a third party cookie. So Safari Safari by default blocks third party cookies. Now you can allow them because for some some things you need some of that functionality. Um but and it also more importantly blocks what's called device fingerprinting. So that's where a website or an app or a service doesn't have the ability to set a cookie, but what it does is it looks at like your IP address and what version of the OS you're running and any extensions you have. And it tries to like map who you are based on all those other variables, because if you add enough variables, then it's distinct because just, you don't have the exact same extensions and versions of stuff and all those different things. And, but you do not want people 
doing device fingerprinting because it's it's very invasive. So Safari blocks that as well. So that's that's one of the things. And then I personally like the I feel like it's faster, and I like the way that it 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 I like the um, way that it syncs across like my iPhone and my my Mac and my iPad. So if I have tabs open on one of those devices, I can easily get to them on the other devices. I can also have my search history or not just my search history, my, my, my tab history, right? So if I, mm-hmm. if I've been looking at a bunch of things and I close all those tabs, but then I go to my iPhone and pull, pull up the history, it'll show me. Yes. I like, I appreciate things. something like that. Cause I'm like, Oh, where did I see that? And all right. you have to do is go back and look at where you were recently. Yeah. So I, I like, if I could, I would only use Safari. There are a couple of things I have to use on a daily basis. This is probably why I end up using them both. That those sites do work better in Brave slash Chrome. I just refuse to use Chrome. So mm. Brave it is. <laughs> to be fair, I don't think that I've really given Safari a good chance. You know, like once you, it's once I get on a certain platform, I like to continue using it. But all this information that, I mean, I know that Google is like not good about protecting my information and identity, and I have chosen to bury that back into a corner of my mind that like I'll worry about that later. (laughs) But like it also like I don't think anyone's coming after me, but that's not the point. And that actually makes me think about a topic that could be really great for the podcast would be um, protecting your personal information and your privacy online. Yeah. Um, It doesn't matter that I didn't do anything and no one's coming to find me. It's the principle that our information should be protected, especially if it shouldn't be shared, especially if we don't know about it. Yeah. And I will say that um, Safari also has a feature. Uh, some, you know, this is not other other browsers have these features as well. But for example, there is a um, a reader so you can just save things to read later, basically built right into Safari. And then there's also like like a collaborative where you can share a group of tabs with someone else. So I could share my group of tabs with you. So literally we could be looking at the same collection of sites at the, basically at the same time, which is, which is kind of I a like nice that. functionality. And then there are tab groups so you can save groups of tips. So like if you log on every time, every time you get on your computer, you're like, I need these five websites open. And then if I shift mm-hmm. to a different type of thing, I need these seven websites open. You can just save those as groups of tabs that you can just easily toggle between and it saves their state and stuff. So it has started to add some of those features that I kind of, that I kind of like. So I don't know. Nice. Because it's built into like, it's built by Apple. It just, I feel like it integrates better, more naturally with a lot of the other features that are already in ios and mac os so yeah that's my thought so i don't know you can you if you try safari we can talk about what your thoughts are later i may do that i may do that so i do like the the tab grouping thing is is kind of appealing to me yeah so okay so oh and you i think it's interesting i did just want to like throw out there safari is by far the most widely used mobile browser like it's not even close especially in the u.s and because of the iphone and then Chrome is worldwide, I don't know, is it like 85 to 90% market share? So like Chrome, if you're using Chrome, you are solidly in the majority of people. But if yeah, you're on- I use it on my phone. Yeah, if you're, uh, if you're on a Mac, it might be worth giving Safari a nice little, give it a shake, see what you think. So yeah. My home, it's my homework for today to get around to it. Yeah, there you go. So speaking of homework, well, this is not homework, but I want to hear about how you are 
you you, you listed a, an off-topic favorite thing that really kind of intrigued me here. <laughs> you 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 put a fireplace in your office, and I and I want to talk about offices for a minute, but I want to start with your fireplace. Sure, I think offices was one of the things that you know we would have on our list of topics, but. I've been, well, I've been wanting like a table, and I'm just going to turn my camera around so you can see what it looks oh, like over oh, here. Oh, nice. It's um, like I'd a wanted, for real. Yeah, yeah. I wanted a table to put under there, but I've like, I love fireplaces. We have a, a gas one downstairs. I wasn't going to, you know, do something like that up here or anything wood burning. So it's just an electric fireplace. It also doubles as like a, a TV stand. I guess I could put my TV on, but it's mounted. So, but I like the aesthetic appeal of a fireplace it makes me feel cozy i wanted like it makes me want to come in here more <laughs> like <laughs> honestly i swear my job is not that bad it's actually pretty good <laughs> but like you know things that make us feel comfortable in our, in our home environments you know we have um, one of the benefits of working from home is you have the ability to design it the way that you want rather than you know being stuck at the cubicle or bland office that you you know you used to have to go to in person right so i would wanted one of these for a while and so we went up to lowe's over the weekend, I saw they were on sale. It was like 200 bucks, the whole thing. So it's a pretty good price. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to get it. And it was easy right. to assemble. So we have a link that we can put in the notes if anyone okay. wants to take advantage of this deal or and put it on your Christmas list. It's basically a space heater that looks like a fireplace. Yes. Right? And what I like is I can control the temperature. So it goes up to 90, but then down as low as you want. So you can okay. just have the visual of how it looks and have it set at like 65 degrees if you want. Okay. Or you can warm up too. And so you can tell I have like the couch right next to it here. So yeah. it's actually like, okay, I want to take a break at lunchtime. I can, and that, that couch reclines too. So I can just watch TV in here if I want. Which This TV doesn't get a lot of use. So at this point, like this is for more conversation about offices. When we, if we do a full episode, like this room cannot do anymore. It is now a place I can watch TV. I can work. And I can exercise. Like, I am maxed out. We are done in here. <laughs> so. But it's still better than the old dining room that you were Oh, gosh. A million times better. This is, like, my sacred place. Like, no one, like, hangs out in here with me. Like, my daughter comes in sometimes if she's home. But it's truly, like, my space. And I love that. Nice. Nice. My space. Nice throwback to the old social oh, media yeah. network. Oh, yeah. remember that. Exists. But, yeah. We're, so the we're reason aging that, ourselves there. Yeah. The reason I was interested, <laughs> though, is because... And, and, and this is something that we'll talk about more over time, but I think I've mentioned on the podcast that I was getting a new office. And when I say I'm getting a new office, I literally mean we ordered an office really? and they <laughs> delivered it to our backyard. It's a, it's so it's a shed. However, if you, I will include a, uh, a link to uh, probably an Instagram post where I shared it. It's in its final location, but it does not look like a shed. Like it very much does not look like a shed. It looks like, did you, have you, did you see the picture? Yeah, I did. I'm okay. actually going to go back to it. Okay. So it, it looks very nice on the, especially on the outside. On the inside, it is completely unfinished at this point. It is a shed on the inside. It is just, you know, uh, floorboards and two by fours and, you know, sheet board and that kind of stuff. But on the outside, it's has siding and um, a roof with, you know, real shingles and a lot of windows. And so there'll be lots of natural light, which is really the thing that this office that I'm in now has never had. It does not have a window. It's in the basement and it does not have a window. And it kind of drives me nuts. Yeah. It's, it's so cute. I love it. And it's so we, we had to cut a lot of trees down so we could fit it into our woods because we have a sort of a corner of our property that's we call the woods. It used to be a lot of woods, but we had to cut out some trees, but there's still some trees in the front of it. So it still feels like it's in the woods. Um, we had to rip out half of our, well, we had to rip out the fence on one side of the, like the connected to the house because this thing to get it 
they put it on what's called a mule, which is like this little cart thing. And then they put wheels on it and they have to, I mean, it's 10 by 14 and it's like 12 feet tall. So it's like a thing. And to get it between the houses, we have this hundred year old Oak tree and we had to cut branches off of it. And I mean, it's like 13, you needed like 13 and a half feet of clearance to get this thing through that space. And I think there was like 13 feet and seven inches. <laughs> it's wow. like we got it through by an inch and I'm not even exaggerating. Like it was, yeah. So uh, it's now sitting in our backyard. The next step will be to, we're going to have electric electricity run to it because it's not super useful as an office without electricity. And then once that is done, we can put, put up insulation, drywall, put in flooring, and mostly everything that's in my office currently will go to mm-hmm. that office. So I don't actually have to, the nice thing is I don't have to buy a lot Furnish of it. Yeah. Right. We are going to put in a, a mini split so it'll have air conditioning and heating in there right. so that we can, cause this is Michigan and it's hot in the summer and it's cold in the winter. So we can't, I have to have air conditioning out there. So, but I'm very summer excited. Summer is not hot. I've been there. <laughs> I mean, we get, up to, we get up to 90 in the summer. Yeah. What I love about warm. Michigan is like that. It, the humidity isn't there. It can be really warm and you're not like suffering. I call it here. It's the air you can wear. Yeah, but you, it's so humid. It's just, you are, you are on the beach though. You come to True. most of Michigan yeah. and it's very thick and humid. So, okay. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Then yeah. I'm so glad you have to suffer as well. <laughs> <laughs> so. so yeah, anyway, but at least we're in a state where we're all wimps and we just all have air conditioning, right? There are some places yeah. where people just like, I know a lot of people who live in Florida and they, they've never had air conditioning because it's always 70 or 80 degrees. It just doesn't I mean, matter. I grew up in the Midwest. Well, I'm from upstate New York, but growing up in the Midwest, another thing that will age me is that we didn't have air conditioning in our elementary school classrooms. We just had to oh, yeah. suck it up. And if we got way too hot, we just, we didn't go. They were like, yeah. okay, we can't go. It's too hot. But no, everyone has air conditioning. Yeah. So if you have interesting ideas about offices, we'd love to hear them. We'll probably talk more about it because we'll be doing a lot of work uh, on this office over the next couple of weeks. The hope is to be in there by Christmas because then over Christmas break, when our kids are not in school, we're going to do some rearranging of bedrooms here. I should send my, send my daughter your way. She's like a design, like guru. She's amazingly good. She helped uh, design most of, you know, everything that we furnished to this house with. So I saved some money on my, on nice. Not that I would ever hire an interior interior designer. I'm not bougie enough. (laughs) <laughs> nice. We're so, rich enough, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, all right. Well, we are. Um, we'll be back next week. This episode, uh, you should have gotten on time. So, sorry about the delay for last week, but I'm just, you know, travel. That's just the way that it is. But if you have feedback, I'll include our Twitter handles in the show notes. And even though Jess doesn't really use Twitter that often, if you send a message and include her, she will know. Like it will get. I will know. I it's on my phone. It's on my watch. Uh, You know, I get the notifications. Maybe I'll even make a post. We don't know. All right. So, all right. Well, we will talk to you next week.